Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My name is Mike Siegel. I am the host of said podcast. My guest today is David Justin. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get the business right out of the way. Go to our website, TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you'll find stories, articles, photos, and links to all our social media, which is, of course, Facebook. Like our Facebook page, Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, uh, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, there are links to Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a good rating. That helps people find the show and it boosts our presence. So that's always a good thing. And as always, costs you nothing. First order of business, I have a great announcement to make. I am going back to Thailand. Yes, this kind of fell into my lap last week. Uh, the same people who sent me there last year, if you uh, are a normal, normal listener, regular listener to the show, or if you're a normal listener or abnormal listener, uh, but if you're a regular listener, you know that I went to Thailand last year for the Jet Set Extra website. Our friend Marianne Bean sent me with the Tourism Authority of Thailand to the Muay Thai boxing camp and the sword fighting school and all that stuff. And I talked about it last year, did some interviews. This time I'm going back to play golf. And when someone offers you a free week of golf in Thailand, uh, you say yes if you're me. And that's what I'm doing. Leaving next week. Pretty quick turnaround, so I'm going to be going there. I'm going to be writing a, a story for Jet Set Extra. I'm going to be shooting some video stuff, and it's going to be cool. Also going to bring my little recorder and try to do some interviews when I'm there. So very excited about that, and uh, also excited to eat like a crazy person, which is what I always do in Thailand, because as many of you know, my favorite cuisine in the world, and I am going to eat like a nut job. Can't wait. As I said before, my guest today is David Justin, David Reaper Justin. That is his paintball handle. He is a professional paintball player and has a bunch of businesses going on, but uh, he's big into that world. But uh, I've said often on the show that if you or anyone you know might be a good guest for the show, contact me. And David lives in LA here. He contacted me, gave me his story about uh, living in Israel and traveling around and uh, being in the Israeli army. And so let that be a lesson to you people. I am not just uh, blowing smoke out here. I am telling you, if you think you will be a good guest and you're in the LA area, want to do a, an interview, or if you have suggestions for people who you think would be a great guest in the show, write me. And that address is TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. And you, too, can find fame and fortune as a guest on this show. Don't hold me to that. If you don't get fame and fortune, don't sue me. Because if I don't have fame and fortune, you better not get it before me. <laughs> All right, let's get right to my interview with David Reaper Justin. Enjoy. David Reaper Justin. <laughs> quite a quite a handle there. What what is the Reaper? Um, I play professional paintball. Now, I didn't know this was even a thing. There is a professional paintball yeah. league. Uh, is it called the league well, or an association? What they, is ha it? they have leagues. I mean, I've actually created my own league, um, the Woodsball Tournament League. But yeah, there's, um, uh, gosh, it's been around since 1982, paintball has. And it's all different type of, of aspects of it. There's one called speedball. Uh, that's probably what you're used to, where you see like a hopper on top of a gun. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're shooting like, you know, a thousand balls. Um, I'm into the one that's called MagFed. And MagFed, um, well, they would look like real, uh, real, real pistols, real guns, and they have magazines on them. Oh. And so I'm kind of a representative of that, uh, of that part of the paintball. So these things look like actual guns. I've seen photos that you've 
you oh, yeah. posted. And then it's, I mean, you could get in serious trouble walking around the streets with these things, right? <laughs> yeah, you could. Actually, there. if you look at them, there's really no difference between the two. So it's um, uh, they're really realistic. It's, yeah, you have nice. to paint them pink so they no. let them know that they're toys. <laughs> no, no. So the cops do don't, uh, you know, L.A. No. cops, you never know when they're going to exactly. take a shot. No, there's actually, um, Airsoft is another part, not of our business, but kind of like they're cousins of us. And they put like tips or like a red tip on the end of their gun because okay. they also look uh, authentic too. Right. So next time I hold up something, you know, I hold up a bank, I'll just paint a red tip on it, exactly. so people don't. Nah, he's just got a toy. Exactly. So uh, and and so the so the uh, the paintballers won't get in trouble. You can get the airsofters in trouble. But okay. Not us. So how long have you been doing this? Uh, two thousand and eight. Okay. Um, I uh, real quick story. Uh, my kid was finishing soccer. We were driving through Beverly Hills, and there was a garage sale. We saw the stuff on the ground, and this the guy said to me, "You can have the whole thing for hundred bucks. What is it? It's paintball. I don't know." I got into it, and it's like uh, I drank the Kool Aid, and <laughs> I fell in love with it. And so, basically, I I have an entrepreneurial spirit, so I kind of grew into it, and uh, I started. I created a league, I created this image, and uh, started getting sponsors by a lot of different companies, and. Yeah, became famous. Okay, now it's like, uh, for people who don't know, we met through, uh, you, you contacted me on email. Correct. And I've put it out there on, on shows before. It's like, if you think you'd be a good guest, and you happen to live in L.A. or the L.A. area. Right. And uh, so it does work out, folks, for people who are listening. <laughs> um, but you had an interesting story that you, this kind of paintball thing kind of falls into, you have a military background. Right. And so this is, you, you seem to be a natural for this. Yeah, I was um, in, uh, let me see. Um, like, like 1985 to 1987, I was in Israel and I basically traveled over there and I ended up joining the Israeli army. So I was there for a year. Wait a minute. How do you go from just traveling through, <laughs> Hey, maybe I'll join the army. Uh, well, I mean, that's a story in itself. It's basically like, um, did you do that trip as a kid? Like, you know, the, Oh, the, the birthright. Yeah. No, they didn't have birthright back then. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't they, do it either. No, no. But, um, basically, uh, I was born here. I was born in Santa Monica, and you know, I was like raised a Jew and everything. But I, uh, you know, I, I really couldn't find Israel on a map. I just whatever. <laughs> right. And then in like 1985, I was like, oh, wondering what am I going to do with my life? I don't know. And somebody suggested go to go to Israel. Okay, fine. So um, I went to the Jewish agency here. They hooked me up with a kibbutz, and then I sold everything: car, motorcycle, gave everything away to everybody, and said, "Okay, this is what I'm going to do." I bought a one-way ticket. And bam, I landed in Israel. I couldn't speak Hebrew, nothing. So you're and, like a 18, 20 year old kid. I uh, was twenty five. Okay, yeah. Well, and you look great. I think it's uh, oil valet. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> good, good jeans. <laughs> right. Um, so you just got rid of it all. I sold everything. I gave everything. Gave my girlfriend everywhere. Just, just bam. bam went, you and, really uh, wanted to get away. Yeah, just I don't know. It was one of those weird. You know how you go through that thing in life. We just change. And uh, I landed on a kibbutz, and. Um, for the first like week, I said, "Oh man, I screwed up." Yeah, <laughs> what did I do? You're actually doing work. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, work, and then like, <laughs> I, you know, no one speaks English. I mean, hello, and no, the people right. did. Did you but, know Hebrew at all? No, really, Shalom. Oh, that, that was, was it. it. Yeah, that's <laughs> that all I know. It. And that's that's good because it's hello and goodbye. Um, and so I was on the kibbutz for six months, and then I started getting into the system and the people and the whole, and I started falling in love with what I was doing. And uh, you know, basically, if you cut your ties to back home, life is easy. But if you're going to sit there and mope and go, oh, my God, right. you know, I miss all my – no. So I had no credit cards. I had nothing. And basically everything that I had was what I earned or created there. So I started traveling the country and started going around to different places. And basically if you're a, a Jew going there, there's a lot of different programs you can do. Um, you can go – basically you can just live for free. So you can uh, uh, go to a kibbutz. You can go to a uh, um, like a house building program. You can – so I started traveling around the country, and I went to the first one of my first stops after the um, kibbutz was a yeshiva. You know the with the Orthodox the school, Jews. Yeah. There's one them. right a block away. Okay, so you, okay, so I was <laughs> this was inside the old city of Jerusalem, and uh, they came up to me, "Are you Jewish?" "Yes, I am." Blah, blah, and then they, you know, and then they basically make money by having people go to the yeshiva. They make money from the outside, from the you know the states and everything. And so, what do they? How do they make money off you? Well, imagine if. The more people that they can get into the yeshiva, uh, then they get basically sponsorships from other – like outside of the United States or you know outside of the different countries. And, and just so 
But I mean, get, if it's so, if you if they take it by the number of students they have, they get more donations. In a sense, that's kind of how it works. But from governments or from individuals? Well, they get it from the Israeli government, but they also oh, they get do. it from okay. the. I mean, from, like you said, the one down the street. Yeah. So it's basically, you know, if if, if like the, you had a shiva that nobody was there, then it's like, well, why should we pay for this? But all of a sudden, if you get more and more people in it, right. it's kind of like, okay. yeah, whatever. So that's that's kind of how it works. I mean, strength in numbers, basically. exactly. So. I I was in yeshiva. I hung out. I liked it. You know, I was basically, you know, it was fun. And I was learning sometimes in the old city of Jerusalem, sometimes I, you wouldn't leave for like, like a month or so. You just hang out because everything was there. In the morning, I'd run through the shuk, you know, the, the Arab market. Yeah, yeah. This was all before the problems and everything. Right. The, the antifadas and everything. And um, I made friends with Palestinians, Arab, it didn't matter. It was, it was great. Learned a little bit about being Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I was there. But... Did you finally even pick up some Hebrew? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I started okay. getting the Hebrew as I started going <laughs> along. And then, then, no, I mean, yeah, by this time, my Hebrew was pretty good. Um, and then uh, my roommate in the yeshiva, he said to me um, one morning, he goes, hey, I'm joining the army. Do you want to come? I go, okay. <laughs> it was like kind of like a Forrest Gump kind of thing. Right. And they'll just take anybody if you're we not... Drove, we took the bus down to Tel Aviv. Um, and because you're Jewish, they're going you know, to take you. And... You have to be Jewish. You have to have a certain, basically, a language level, obviously, to be able to communicate. And um, I signed up. I go, okay, let's do it. So I just signed up, and that was it. <laughs> what, then, what was the commitment? Two years? Or one year. Two? I was. Did, I did one year. One year. Okay. Yeah. Um, for the basic Israeli that you're, 18, they have to do one year. They have to do three years. The three. Guys have okay. Three years, and the do, and the girls do two. Oh, that's years. right. I was. Right. I was only there once. Okay. It was there like uh, 2011. Okay. Okay. But, cool. Um, yeah. That's like so. Men and women, they all. Sir. They all join, and then uh, I I said, okay, I'll let, this next thing I know, I had a fatigues and a gun, and <laughs> that was it. So it was kind of cool, though, because, again, I was kind of like a, a Forrest Gump in a way. I was just like bouncing around, having a good time, and just, okay, I'll, I'll give this a try. And uh, uh, the Army was tough, but it was fun. But if you – because I volunteered, I knew I was there, and I, I, I learned a lot. They trained, trained me about a, different, a lot of different things. But – um, it was in my heart. I mean, I wasn't like, oh my God, you know, like, what did I do? I'm like, yeah, I'm really, I really enjoy this. What was your, uh, were you just a, a basic foot just soldier? A foot soldier just okay. A, just like a So you learned how thing. to shoot a gun. Uh, yeah. I, I grew up on a ranch before. So oh, okay. like, you know, I, we, we bounced around. So I, you know where San Luis Obispo is? Yeah. We had a ranch up there. Oh, okay. So I grew up on a ranch with guns and everything. That oh, okay. wasn't, wasn't, wasn't uh, not new to me. So, um, so yeah, but the, Actually, as I was starting, basically, to my, my service was winding down, that's when the Antifada was starting in 1986, 87 kind of thing. And we were doing patrols in Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Nazareth and thing. And the kids were throwing rocks at us. And we started throwing rocks back at them because we didn't like, we didn't think it, we didn't know what was happening. We were just having a good time whenever. And then pretty soon everything kind of exploded. Yeah. Rocks turned into bullets. There you go. And <laughs> bullets turned into mortars. And... And it was kind of crazy. But um, we, uh, we, I finished and then I went to uh, Elat. Do you know where Elat yes. is? In the south of Israel. I went uh, diving there. The Red Sea. Gorgeous, huh? Yeah. The coral. It's amazing there. Yeah. Um, and I was working in a hotel and I met my wife. She's Israeli. Mm hmm. And then that started another part of my life. Right. And we moved back here to the States. We bought a house in Culver City. And uh, so from 88 until now, we've been, I've been back. We go back and forth. Like, we just came back. We were there this summer. Oh, really? So we go back and forth. Like, you marry the girl, you marry the country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, seeing the changes over the last 20 years in Israel, I mean, how have you seen it? Change and where do you think it's headed? Well, um, socially, I don't like it. Basically, when I was there, uh, cable TV meant like they, they somebody would have a VCR or something and they'd run a cable to your place and pay, <laughs> yeah. like pirate kind of thing. And you know, there was really no canyon. Or they call them canyons. There really no malls or anything like this. Um, and now it's changed. It's, everybody has cell phones. Everybody is like you know texting each other and this. And there's kind of I'll give you I'll give you an example. Um, uh, when I was there in the eighties, uh, you would sit on the, um, uh, it calls it Mirpeset, the, uh, the, um, outside and you would just watch TV, but everybody had the same channel. It would be Dallas or Shosh, uh, or something yeah, like yeah. that. And it was like a communal kind of feeling. Well, same here. We had three networks, they, you know, and okay, everybody right. watched the same stuff. They, and you would go to school and you could say, Hey, remember Steve Austin fought big. Yeah. <laughs> like you go, remember yeah. the Fonz last exactly. night? Exactly. I mean, we all, yeah, we exactly. all saw it. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, but. Israel's changed. It's it's a different. They have a big influx of the Russians and Ethiopians. So it's it's kind of like the place has changed. I still love it. I still love the people. I'll you know I right. 
Uh, I'm still I'm still part of it. Did you uh, like I I went to Jerusalem, uh-huh. Tel Aviv, and a lot. Right. Okay, you cool. know I did the tour like the right. Dead Sea, and I rubbed the mud on myself, and I did the. <laughs> Uh, Masada right. and all that, and then I went to a lot, and then um, I took a day trip into Jordan to the uh, Petra. Oh, just a day Jordan. trip? Yeah, from Elat. Wow, that's kind of rushing it, right? Yeah, it's it was. Like... I, it was too. It was too quick. Yeah, you know. But um, I didn't know any better. If okay. I had to do it again, I would definitely wanted to stay overnight at, right. at least in Wadi Rum, and and uh, sure. I could have spent all day in Petra. I mean, Petra was really cool. Man, oh man! But you really see the difference going into Jordan, right? Uh, in terms of uh, you know, poverty and things, it you know, was from, uh, from Israel for sure. You went what 2011? Yeah. Okay, so that was like a big difference. When I went, they were just opening that up. Like, okay, you went through a lot, and remember they had like I guess it's called like the, the no man zone kind of thing. Where mm-hmm. we were, okay, so. That was still kind of like a, a kind of a crazy thing because like the both border guards would check you on either side to make sure you weren't carrying anything, and then you take a bus from there, you know, up the highway to Petra, uh, Petra, whatever yeah. the hotel was. It was the Hilton that we went to. It was really nice, and uh, you spend the night up there. But as we were driving, we kept on getting stopped by these Bedouin. I mean, if you almost. Even before Lawrence of Arabia type of thing, they had the long flowing dresses, the curved knives, these these really funky you know guns. And I thought, oh, this is great. This is like a museum. I yeah. know they're doing it for the tourists. <laughs> right? <laughs> they're they're not. These guys were like stopping the bus. They wanted their payment, and and it was yeah. like, okay, you know, we all pitched in some dinar or whatever the thing was, and it was it was kind of crazy. Well, I was there. This is 2011, so it was not too. I mean, this is post uh, Arab Spring. Okay, cool. You know, so you know. It, if, as much as the uh, we all remember the Israeli Egypt agreements in the seventies right, with right. Carter, but as as corrupt as you know Egypt and Mubarak and all those guys were, right, it was a steady, you know, it, it was constant, you know, yeah. it was at least consistent, right, right, right. And I found out what the Israelis don't like is the unknown, you know. So <laughs> right. okay, he was a bad guy, but we don't know what's coming next after right. him, you know. Right, so right, right. I couldn't. I wanted to go to Egypt, but it was just they were like, no, it's too soon, you know. They they I couldn't get a regular uh, uh, opinion of whether it was safe or not to go over yet. Um, yeah. Were you going to go like from also from Aqaba from like Elat? Kind uh, of yeah. I was, was going to maybe yeah. like take a, a, a bus across the uh, Sinai right. to Cairo. Wow. That's cool. But I dive too. I also wanted to go to Sharm El Sheikh and, and do some diving. But uh, right. I just like, you know, it's been there for 3,000 years. Maybe I'll wait <laughs> a few to there. see the pyramids, you know. it's uh, It was kind of funky that um, the... Uh, Everybody likes to blame Israel for everything. And a couple was it a couple of years ago, there was uh, they couldn't figure out what kind of shark it was, but there was some kind of shark around that area, around Sharm el-Sheikh, and it kept on eating the tourists. And so the Egyptian government was saying, well, it's a Mossad. <laughs> right. <laughs> a Jewish shark. It's a Jewish shark, and they're, right. sending, and they're trying to destroy our tourism and stuff like this, and they're it's eating <laughs> – I mean, it's eating German, German tourists. I'm right. like, what? What kind of? I don't get this. <laughs> but that, had a little yarmulke on the fin. Exactly. exactly. That's so, what it was. But uh, so it is. There is that kind of that funky tension. I did go. I uh, I did go to Egypt. Um, it's it was it's kind of interesting because they hate us, but they want their money. You know what I'm saying? So you go there and mm-hmm. you, you can. There's gambling there on that side. It was it was kind of nice. It was really it was it was fun. Yeah, but did they? Um you know, you hear all these stories of people like, oh, if you have an Israeli uh, pa- stamp on your passport, they're not going to no, let you in. Not, or... not at the board. Not like, not, I mean, like what you found out with, uh, with Jordan and what you found out with uh, Egypt. No. I mean, they want you to come in and they, you know, well, that's not an issue. Have you been up into uh, Lebanon or any of those places? Uh, Lebanon, Syria, but um, without my passport. Oh, sneaky. <laughs> so uh, when, when you were in the army, you know, it was like, you know, right. that kind of thing. And, Actually, uh, when we were there, we were there this summer, and I, I have a friend of mine who lives like kind of on the border of Lebanon, and he's kind of an adventurous kind of guy. He doesn't like to follow rules, and he took us past like all the border check. There wasn't even border checkboards, just like signs that say, you know, please don't go past this area. And then all of a sudden, you're basically like on the border of Lebanon and Israel, and there was this gate. <clears throat> excuse me, there was this gate that was open, and there was like a a field, a big orchard with, with apples and everything like this. And he goes, back in the day, this was just kind of an open thing and that the Lebanese would come in and work and back and forth. He said, go, go, go. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait a minute. So I, I, I kind of wandered through, you know, I guess would be considered Lebanon and like grab some tomatoes and everything and just like ran back and, oh, these are fresh. It's nice. But yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing is that um, 
everything is like, and you know, when you travel, when the media always portrays things differently, but when you're there, it's a whole different story. And it's just like, um, I don't know, it's, it's like a comfortable environment. I, I'm never fearful when I was, you know what? I'll tell you, the only time I was fearful, when I was in Israel with my trip, like uh, in 85 to 87, um, uh, 86 is when um, Reagan bombed Gaddafi. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I was there. I was hanging out in this, like, uh, I think it was in Nazareth or something like that. And you're like in a foreign country. You don't know what's going on. You don't read the newspaper, whatever, like this. And all of a sudden I'm in Nazareth. And I'm like in this like, little, little um, school area. And I'm getting surrounded by these like teenagers. And they're coming to me and they said, where are you from? Where are you from? And I said, uh, America. And they said, you kill babies. I said, I, I didn't kill any babies. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> and they go, no, your president, he, he kills babies. I said, okay. Uh, and there's like, and then like, you know, 20, 30 people are now surrounding me. And like, I go, okay, hang on a second, you guys. Tell me what's going on because I don't read the newspapers here. What's going on? Um, and then they said, well, you know, that they bombed, they bombed Gaddafi and they killed his kid and everything like this. And I'm like looking around going, okay, where's the exit? How am I going to like this? And then they started like getting, you know, really kind of violent. And, you know, I had to like help <laughs> get me out of here. So I, I kind of like to push my way through and, and got out. But those kind of things do happen sometimes that you are basically a representative of the rest of the people and you don't realize it sometimes. And you're like, uh, wait a minute, I didn't do anything. But so much has happened, and you know, since you first went there. I mean, you had uh, you know nine eleven and everything right. else. And uh, how has the vibe changed, especially since our invasion of Iraq and all that? You know, in Afghanistan and well, everything the else. The vibe of like how the Israelis look, or the, or the um, Palestinians. Just going either or, just going going and visiting. Okay, so we went uh, after nine eleven. We flew for a holiday over there, and um, obviously a lot more security. But um, well. To, to be honest with you, what happened was is a lot of the uh, – during 9-11, a lot of the Palestinians were actually in either Saudi Arabia or um, in uh, like the West Bank basically. And they were jumping for joy. They were screaming, ah, like this. And they were like – and then all of a sudden – Not our were, friends. Not our friends in Saudi Arabia, right? No. Our allies? No, no, no. I no, can't no, believe that. No, no, no. I didn't – did I say that out loud? <laughs> Whoops, sorry. Those, um, are our, those are our friends. So – but the, a lot of the Palestinians were jumping up for joy and saying, ah, like this. And then all of a sudden they realized, well, what, we're on the wrong side. <laughs> Sorry. So then there was when I got there, there was kind of more of a, a like a suppressed kind of attitude of like, OK, yeah, you know, it's too bad that this happened to you. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's bad for all of us kind of thing. So, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's, it was a, it was an interesting attitude from a lot to Jerusalem to Tel Aviv, which are the three places I stayed. I mean, they're very different in all their right. own way. I, you know, I found Jerusalem. I was there during Sukkot. Sukkot? Sukkot? Yeah, I, yeah, whatever. Or as the Americans Suck say. <laughs> Sukkot. <laughs> so, yeah. is the Sukkot. Yiddish way. Yeah. Sukkot is what the Israelis say, the Hebrew way. Okay. Well, okay. anyway, like Jerusalem pretty much shut down when that, kind oh, yeah. of, when that started. Right. And, uh, and then I went to Tel Aviv. Okay. I said, this is a good time to go to Tel Aviv. Right. And then I go that there. Never, that never and shut down. And there's a you know, person half naked walking around with a surfboard. <laughs> I said, you know, I'm going to hang here exactly. in Tel Aviv. For, right, right, right. And I describe it to people. Like, Tel Aviv is a, a party town. It, it is. is a party city. It is like... Like, uh, it's a Mediterranean party city. It, well, I mean, I don't want to say the French Riviera because that's what they call Lebanon, but yeah. it was basically a, you know, a, a, it's an amazing place. It's, it's, they have gay parades, they have everything. I mean, it's just like Israel is cut up into different sections, and um, uh, Tel Aviv is just like a, another world on, uh, on itself. And actually, standing in Tel Aviv, you can see Yafo, which is the old, like one of the old city, or Akko, and, um, from that view, you can almost see people like from the gay parade versus like these old yeah. Arab towns. It's like that's how close it is. And it's just it's just an uh, – I should be a travel agent for – or no, a travel representative yeah. for Israel. So. It's, uh, and they go late. Man, like oh, I, a no. buddy of mine was yeah. doing a comedy show there. Yeah. He didn't get off stage. He was doing – he was closing the late show. I think his show ended at 3 wow. in the morning. And people were just like, yeah, this is normal. They exactly. don't go out till like midnight right, and stuff. Exactly. I'm like, I'm going to bed. Wow. I don't know. I'm good for you. I feel like I was in Spain, you know. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, it, it they is. go late, late. It is. It's nice, and also, it's a friendly vibe too. I mean, you were there, so it's a yeah. friendly vibe. And, and yes, you see girls walking around with, uh, you know, with guns and whatever. But in bikinis, in bikinis. But it, but it's not. <laughs> and, but they have to because they're basically yeah. on on duty. But it's not like them walking. Uh, 
I've been to some foreign countries where people walk around with guns pointed at you instead of them like hanging around on their back kind yeah. of thing. Like Texas. Like that. <laughs> I don't call that a foreign country, but it's Hey, you know, show. that could be paintball. You exactly. don't know. No, exactly. So it's cool. So, um, so yeah, so basically I was on kibbutz. I loved it. Um, it's a communal kind of thing. Um, I went to Jerusalem. I went to the Yenushiv. I went to, I went to the army. I bounced around. Um, but I, um, the, you know, two and a half, three years that I was there, it was a, I don't know. It was something special. It, it was like one of those, again, like with the paintball where you drink the Kool-Aid. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the culture. Now, again, um, how do you – okay. Well, do you think if you would do this now at your age, say you were like 25 now and right. went back there, do you think you would have the same experience? No, you wouldn't because the world is different. I mean – That's what I mean. You know, yeah. there was no um, – you know, there was no iPads. There was no iPhones. You would go to... Um, You'd be like FaceTiming your friends back home, oh, you know. I'll tell you something. I went back to that kibbutz uh, this summer. And I went, I went to go, you know, give them some, like, autographed pictures and everything. I was going to do this, like, the whole thing. And I went to the area that they were, the, like, where I was, where, like, the new volunteers were and everything like this. And these guys were on their iPhones. And there was this guy from Korea, and there was a guy from Mexico, whatever else. And I told them who I was. And they're, like, looking up at me and then going back to da 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 <laughs> And there was such a disconnect. When I was there, people were playing guitar. It was that we were listening to Bob Marley. We, I mean, right. you know what I'm saying? There was this kind of like this communal, oh, you're from Sweden. You're from Norway. Come on in, this kind of thing, right? How much weed was on that kibbutz? Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, the Marley and the guitar and comes out, okay. You know what? I'll tell you. The guy from Sweden. Okay. I, know, okay. I know how this goes down. You know what? Down. I'll tell you. There wasn't a lot of controlled substances, but there was a lot of drinking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but every um, weekend, we'd go down to the bomb shelter, and that's where the DJ would set up, and we'd have a big party. <laughs> and Great name for a club, by the way. <laughs> the, the, bomb the bomb shelter? shelter. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was an amazing um, situation. It was, it was amazing because... The kibbutz that I was on had 2,000 members. It was kind of a very big kibbutz. So we had about, um, I'd say about 150 volunteers and maybe 75 in my group that were like there to learn Hebrew and everything. Okay, well, it's called Ulpan. And what happened was a lot of times the uh, English volunteers, whatever, they get drunk and they start fighting and everything. So the kibbutz said, okay, forget about that. We're just going to hire women. Mm. One morning I go to the, the dining room. There's like 100, 100 Swedish girls. And I'm Go like, on. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm listening. I, I'm like, I think I like this. This is all right. This is like amazing, right? Wow. And the thing is, most of the people that were my age were in the army. And, or, or if they were older, they were married. So you have 100 Swedish girls that are like, what are we doing? Ah, like this. And then they would just, there would be just constant parties. We would just you know, constantly drink. But the cool thing about it is when I went there, I thought Scandinavia was a country. <laughs> I didn't I was you know I was from Los Angeles right. I couldn't find Israel on a map you couldn't find Ohio on I a map I couldn't find a map you know, Iowa was like one of those square ones you fly over and yeah. it, has, it says Ohio on it yeah, and right. it, the big, it has a pin in it so you uh -huh. can pull it out that was my image of it so all of a sudden you're surrounded by Europeans Scandinavians and everything and they're giving you lessons they're like like the Finns would say did you know that the Germans burdened our forests when they, in World War II did you know I'm like uh and, and, my, and yeah. I, I love history. So this was just like an absorption. I was like, oh, I didn't realize. Like this, this girl I, was, uh, I knew for a while, she was from the Island of Man. Oh, Isle of Man, yeah, okay. off of England. Yeah. Right. And she could open a bottle of beer with her mouth, with her teeth. That right? sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of people are these? Like, these are like <laughs> tough, right? But I didn't even know about – so that's what I'm saying. When you travel, you grow and you learn if you want to. Now, a lot of times when I was on the kibbutz – there were people that brought their friends with them. So it was like they travel as buddies or something like that. And you saw that they didn't grow as much because they had baggage basically with them. Yeah. And one would hold down the other. And so I started saying, okay, when I travel, I'm going to – and I just started traveling and going by myself. I took my kid um, – we went back this summer and we went to Poland also. And I took my kid to Auschwitz and the whole thing. And we did a four-year trip and I wasn't going to be – um, connected to a tour group. Uh, we bought the tickets. We, I mean, we bought the tickets basically for the hotel. And after that, we were on our own. Uh, I figured out the train schedule. I figured out everything. And we were traveling with this, uh, these, these two kids that we met on the, on the train. And they had like the Eurorail. And I said to my kid, listen, this is what you do. You, you buy a Eurorail and you just travel, right? That was my first trip out of the country. Okay. And, but you don't travel with somebody else. As far, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you meet people and you grow and, and you, you have these great experiences. Sometimes you're walking down your, the street and you're with a friend and he goes, I don't want to go. That could have been your golden opportunity. Yeah. 
Just travel. Yeah, I learned that years ago. It's like if I a if I wait for someone to go with, I'm never going to go. Right. Because uh, especially as you get older, your schedules never work out. And, you know, it's like you can't. Or people just drive you nuts. I'd rather be alone than have someone with me who does. And you can't talk anybody. You can't talk anybody into going. No. You know, they have to like beg me to want to go. And, right. Like, right. I have friends who have the time to go and the ones that do, but they're just they have no interest. So right. it's like I'm not going to. If they don't want to go, I can't talk them into it, nor do I want to. Right, right. Because that's not, they're not going to have fun, and they're going to bring me down. You I, know? But the, there's a, also a problem when you said about the, the technology. I read something about like kids in now in the Peace Corps, mm-hmm. they're getting the same kind of thing, where in the past, you know, they're in some isolated village in Guam or right, something, right. and they have to you know, meet everybody. And right. know that now they're going back at night, you know, right. they're doing their thing and they're going back at night and checking their emails and Facebook and stuff. So which they're never, they're never integrating right. with the town. You, you are completely, you're basically in a sense, destroying yourself in two aspects. You're detached from where you are and, and that Island. And then you're also detached from where you came from because you're going back to, you, you, you can't, you're not absorbing anything. You're yeah. not just like saying, okay, I'm gonna drink the Kool-Aid. I'm in. Dive in. Yeah. Um, when I was traveling through Israel, uh, I was meeting a lot of people who had that, that had happened. Um, they said, I came here with my friend from Sweden, and now we're broken up because I did it like this, and I'm just traveling. It's an amazing place. I mean, I mean yeah. just, yeah. So the I, first I time it. I left the country was that, you know, I did the Eurail thing right. after uh, college, you okay. know, and I went with three other guys, friends of mine from school. And after two weeks, we had split up, and that was the first time I went on my own. And that was, you know, it was scary and exciting, and... But I did. I met a ton more people, and that, that was, and especially staying in hostels, it was very easy to meet people. You right know? now, I'm a little older from that. <laughs> now I got to make more of an effort, you know. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I tell everybody to do it. But so one more thing about Israel before we move on to another thing. But I mean, what is the biggest misconceptions that you find when Americans ask you about Israel? I mean, a lot of people are afraid to go. They have to hear that all the time. Isn't it scary over there? Scary. Isn't They're going to get kidnapped. Right. Um, is that the biggest thing? Misconception? Or? Yeah, it is. It's the biggest thing. It's basically the um, um, uh, oh, ISIS is going to behead me. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? I mean, it has nothing to do. It's like a complete. Israel is, is the most secure country. Yeah, I was, I was right? going to say, you're probably more safe there <laughs> exactly, than here exactly you know, for, for um, ISIS anyway. The, uh, the joke that I used to tell was. Um, you know, Israelis are tough, and they, they call them sabras. A sabra is actually the name of a person that was born there, but it's actually the, the fruit of a, um, a cactus. They're prickly on the outside, but then the inside, they're soft and beautiful, right? Yeah. So, sweet. Okay, cool. So <laughs> but they, you got to get through that outside, gotta, man. Okay, fine. So basically what the, the joke I used to tell was that um, uh, I was flying on El Al, which is the Israeli carrier, and um, it was uh, uh, mealtime, and, the, and the, the, the stewardess came to me. She said, would you like a meal? And I said, what are my choices? And she said, yes or no. <laughs> So, uh, but I'm I'll go with yes. Yeah. So um, yes, it's a it's a great place to go. Uh, nobody's going to steal, rob you. No one's going to you know behead you, kind of thing. It's there's not donkeys walking. Listen, here's the deal. There is more. Um, the, the second largest Silicon Valley is in Israel. Microsoft, Apple is just opening up a new facility in in Israel. Israel is like people hate the Jews, but they love what we produce. It doesn't make, <laughs> right. it doesn't make any sense, but that's okay. So. Well, eventually they're going to need water. I think that's what's going to be the biggest problem. Well, actually, Israel's already ahead of that too. There are a lot of uh, desalination plants and everything like this. So it's um, look what they did to the deserts. Um, yeah. So it's like actually Jordan is going to get water from Israel now. They're going to do so. There's they, you know what Syria is doing? Syria is dropping off their wounded people right now during the war, and Israel's taking care of them. I mean, you wait. Are you that? telling me there's Jewish doctors now? What? Wait <laughs> yeah, a that's, second. That's the that's the funny misconception. I always say that there's no Jewish sports heroes and no Jewish fighters. <laughs> yeah. Go to Israel. You're going to see right. them all. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So you've traveled a bunch. I know right. from that you said you touched a little bit about you know around the Middle East. But where are some of the other places? Uh, I've been to Japan. I've been to Europe, France, Poland, Crete, Mexico. Uh, have you been Why to Japan? Cre- I've been to Japan, yeah. Okay, I cool. loved it. Did you, go, did you fly into Osaka? I flew into Tokyo and then took the bullet train to Kyoto. The bullet train. Let me ask you about the bullet train. I flew into Osaka. I didn't see uh, Godzilla, but um, okay. I flew into Osaka. And uh, one of the things we did was we took the bullet train. Now, did you notice on the bullet train there's two different bathrooms? No, I don't remember. Okay. There's three different cars on the bullet train. And there's like the, like the first the class coach, car. Yeah, right? business and, then, and first. Okay, much. cool. So... My host, everything, I flew first class on JAL on everything. Everything was first class for me. Um, so basically, 
on the the bullet train they have two bathrooms. They have a western and traditional. Okay, one, the the traditional is just a hole right in the, onto the tracks. So. I didn't realize that, and so it was like I, that in India, all throughout Asia. And can stuff. you? I can't believe you're on a bullet train, right? And the only bathroom that was open was was a traditional. I open it up, and there's a hole in the floor, and the, the how three hundred miles, four hundred miles an mm-hmm. hour, and I'm like, if I squat down and something gets caught, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forget right. about it. So. Uh, I was like, yeah, that, that, that was it. But uh, that's an amazing train. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. That yeah. was really cool. I would love every time I drive to Vegas, I'm going, I can't believe we don't have one of these Can you? Here. Oh, they, well, I think they're working on something. But yeah. The, um, the interesting thing, I was, I was flying on Japan Airlines, and uh, you know, you're on first class, and um, uh, they give you hot towels for your face. Constantly. Right. right. And okay, so <laughs> I'm, I'm flying, and I go, this is fantastic. I never did this before. So I asked the stewardess, I go, can I have a hot towel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like this, right? Um, so she comes back with a book of all the hotels. <laughs> like, no, hot towel. Towel, ho- yeah. Hot towel. Uh, hotel. hotel. Oh, I said, I'm not going to put this on my face. But um, we did the in, – in Osaka, um, it's the fugu capital of the world. That's where they have all – the fugu is the, uh, the, the puffer fish that will Yeah, yeah, the, the poisonous one. The poisonous know. fish. And so I said I'd be interested in trying it. Why not? And when you're interested in trying something, they're going to go, oh, all out. And they're just like – Right. So they were taking – and then you, you would go to like um, – A $300 piece of fish. Is unbelievable. It? But you'd go underground <laughs> and they had all these places where they had like all the you know the restaurants and everything. And they had these big tanks of these like uh, fugu or the, the puffer fish just staring at you like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get you. But it, What does it, it taste like? How was it? I'm not a fish eater, but it was, oh. it was a white, thin kind of – okay. I mean – and they, the Japanese, I believe they call it rice in your face because what happens is when you die, you just go boom. <laughs> the rice goes in your face and you're dead. So, you know, I, I was, I'm married, I have kids, and you know, maybe I, I shouldn't have been that, like, you know, but no. uh, laissez-faire with your uh, life. Yeah, I tried it and it was fun. But uh, were you there doing paintball stuff? No, this was a. I'm in the computer business also. Oh, okay. so a, a client of mine flew me out there to do some. That was an interesting story. So. Um, um, I knew the president of one of the Wells Fargo banks. They needed a, a computer guy to do something. This was uh, like 95. And uh, they said, uh, can you do this database thing? I said, okay, I'll do it. So this guy calls me up and he goes, uh, so-and-so told me you're great at databases. I'm going to leave a, uh, a, a plane ticket for you underneath this rock in front of my house in Bel Air. And my wife, Israeli, she's like, no, there's something. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> we get there. There's the ticket, right? I passport's ready. I get on the plane. I don't even know who I'm meeting, what's going on. Bam, I land in Osaka. They pick me up. I'm driving with them for a while. I'm like, okay, you know, the Yakasan, they're going to kidnap me and everything. Um, They go, okay, here's the deal. Um, The database is already done. We don't need you except just to be a representative. Like, they need a ganji. They need a white kind of guide. Oh, really? Exactly. (laughs) I go, okay. Yeah, I'll stand here. So they go, okay, it's going to be four days of television, uh, uh, press, da-da-da-da. Just be enthusiastic. And I'm like, you know, I used to do stand-up. So I was like, okay, this is cool. I'll do it. So I'm sitting there in this press room, and all of a sudden there's like all these cameras, and they, um, uh, Davidson, Davidson, what do you think of the new golf database? I said, oh, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Like, oh, my hosts were in heaven. <laughs> like, oh, they got they won. Um, we were like, oh, we travel all over the place. We went up to, in Osaka, up in the mountains, they have like a spa, and it's basically only for like native, basically only yeah. for Yakusan. And I didn't even you were, know. You what, were the one white guy. Up I didn't there. know. We sat down. They had the, you know, the, the geisha with the, the, with mm-hmm. the three string and like, bah, 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 like this. <laughs> we went there and, and uh, we took off our clothes. We were sitting on these like little wooden stools, right? And all you look around, all you see is um, tattooed people, head to toe tattooed, missing fingers, the whole thing like oh, that. Oh, so. This really? was, we were like in the den of Yakuza. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> and like I'm like. Japanese whoa, gangsters. Oh, this, and they're looking at me like. You know what? Like like this. What so, kind of business was this? I know again? exactly. I, so you did software? Exactly. It paid well, and I was happy. And okay. Nobody killed me, and yeah, I, yeah. So that was kind of, so. I got to see Japan. I got to see different places. I mean, I, uh, uh, Tokyo it was it was nice. Tokyo is cool. It's was, weird. It's it's massive. It's I mean, massive. it's just massive. If you think of it like I describe it, it's like it's imagine the footprint of L.A. But instead of here, where everything's one or two stories, oh, imagine dude. everything there like five to ten stories. It has to be because that they and have it's no... so congested. Exactly. And here was the, the crazy thing: was they um, uh, we went to an electronic store, and they have like an escalator going up and stairs going down. <laughs> it's like once you buy it, we don't care about yeah, you. Yeah, like, You're on your way. Carry it on your way down. Exactly. But 
it it never sleeps. I mean, it was like yeah. if you ever if you watched um, what is it, Black Rain or any of those kind, exactly what it looks like. It's just like <laughs> an amazing place. So, uh, something like that was that was the only place I've been in Asia. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we took a uh, my wife and I we went to Israel one time and we took a trip to Crete um, again because I'm a World War II buff. I love that place. I mean, that was like, if you know about history and what that was like, the Germans' first airborne invasion. And the Cretans are very tough people. They're like, they're drinking Arak and like, you know, it's like, uh, it was six o'clock in the morning when we arrived by the ferry. And they're in the, 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 uh, the bars and they're, hey, like, Uzo and yeah. the whole thing. I'm like, Opa, they're yelling at us. And we're like, Oh, come on, man. I still haven't been to the Greek islands. I, that's like on hopefully this year. That's it's my good. that's my um, goal. Santa, Santa Torini. Santorini yeah. and then what's the other one um, in the big party one? I don't know. I, I, admit, I just I just Mykonos. I, OK, right. Um, watch Mamma Mia. You'll, you'll, yeah, yeah. You'll exactly. <laughs> exactly. That but, was uh, fantastic. So what the, I mean, how long were you in Crete? Crete was just a, like a week kind of thing, just on a... Now, about, about getting from Israel, did you took the... Uh, there's a ferry? Well, no, there's a, we actually, we took the plane. Israel okay, has yeah. like, a, like a small little thing. And then, then you can like take a ferry around different places. So um, we got on a ferry and we bounced around a little bit. I flew in and out when I flew to... I flew from a lot to... Or from Tel Aviv to a lot. Uh, so the, on that little... Uh, I the small it. airport. Uh, the, right, so there's in the north, the north side of town, or whatever. Exactly right. Actually, it's also a military base. They, they, it's yeah. A, right, and the cool thing about that is the uh, the I think it's the Hercules, the C forty sevens come in, and oh, they're just okay. like <laughs> like this kind of thing. Yeah, the IKEA the uh, is a small inner inner uh, plane that goes between you know, Israel and all the different places. It hops around. It's fun. The thing I do miss about Israel, a the pastries, yeah, really good. good, yeah, and the iced coffee. Oh, the iced coffee. Are you a good. coffee drinker? Yeah. I'm not. I don't, uh, really? Yeah. Oh. I never got into it. The iced coffee is really good. Tea is okay, but I never got into the coffee thing. <laughs> Israelis are into coffee, cigarettes, you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. But It's not a like, – I would tell people, though, it, you know, it, it's interesting to see that they are a – it's a Middle Eastern culture. It's a cafe culture. It is. You know, it's not a pub culture. No. It's not like going through, uh, you know, the UK or something like that where people meet in pubs. Right. They meet in cafes. Exactly. And they sit there all day and they'll have pastry and coffee and talk. But they're not big drinkers. It's, it's such a mix of because the, uh, you know, after the Holocaust, a lot of the Europeans came in and there's like the, the Middle Eastern people. It's just a big mixture. But it's just an amazing mixture. It's just a fantastic. Yeah. Um, Hot women, though. I don't know. I'm married. Yeah, okay, I don't yeah. Know what you're talking about. I have no clue. Um, Come on, everybody's got to be hooking up in the army. Everybody's uh, got to be hooking up in the yeah, army. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great time. It's, it's, a, <laughs> yeah, okay. it's a great time. Um, I've got something to tell you. When I was, uh, one of the trips that we did in Israel, I was flying back by myself. My, my wife and the kids stayed, and I think I had to get back sooner. And I took uh, British Airlines to, uh, to, uh, to England, and I had read someplace when. Um, when you check in or something, you can actually ask, can I be bumped up for first class? And the worst they're going to say is no. So my, the next le- leg was from, uh, from England to Los Angeles on Virgin. So I got off British Airlines. British Airlines, does it even exist anymore? I don't think it does. British Airways, yeah. Yeah, okay. So um, I got off British Airlines. I, I was jet lagged. I talked to the lady and I said, hey, listen, can I get bumped up to first on Virgin? And she said, no, in her best yeah, English, right. <laughs> like no. Now, in my suitcase, I had this thing called GOT. Do you know what God is? God is a um, it's a plant that, that they grow in Israel, and it's kind of like a hallucinogenic drug. So it's not really, it's not like a you know, it's not a controlled substance kind of thing. But eh, maybe you're not supposed to have it. So I had it in my bag because I was going to take it back. What is this? What the Arab guys chew all day? And they the- chew all day, and they get really just like uh, docile and this like just yeah. Being, okay, they do it all in the Middle East in Israel. And yeah, like yeah, that. okay. So and it almost looks like an herb. It's like like okay, I'm gonna you know okay. They didn't so confiscate then, that from you? No, because it was like in my bag, and you know I. So I get to um, I get to Virgin, and I said, "Can I?" But no, they can't. So I'm now I'm sitting on the on the, the coach in Virgin, right? And all of a sudden, they this they before they shut the door, they they one of the flight attendants comes up to me and he goes, "Could you please follow me?" And I go, "Oh, they found the got, they found, and I'm screwed." Um, <laughs> we start walking, we walk past the door, and we go into first class. And there's me and this 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 couple from Texas. That's it. And I'm sitting down, and they go, "Here you go." And I go. What the hell? Like, what just happened? So um, they go, please enjoy your stay in, with us in Virgin, and like this. And I look over to this this couple from Texas, and I go, uh, hey, have you ever been in first class before? And they go, no. And I go, oh, you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> like, like I had done it before, right? Right. Boom. You get a menu. You get foot massages. How did you get it? I mean, That's because just for I asking? Think, I think because I asked, and maybe she put something on my ticket. I don't know. But – 
the next thing I know, I was there. There's no way that they heard just... of this happening. When did? When, okay. How long ago was this? This was ninety two thousand. Okay, yeah, pre nine eleven. Yeah, way back this when there were empty like, planes, like ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, it was right. something like that. It was like it was you know be, yeah before nine eleven, right? Yeah. There was nobody else in first class, just me and this couple from Texas. And That's we, great. We, and 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 I go, I I and I'm like, and then I started saying to myself, wait a minute. Of all the plane of like 300 something people, how would they just choose me? And then I started, but I did say something to the woman at the front. I mean, at the, at the thing. Okay, fine. So then, like, you're ordering everything hot chocolate, shrimp. Uh, I've never done massage. first class on Virgin, but I heard it's great. They give you, um, like, these packages of things. Did you get like, the pajamas? Like, pajamas, oh. <laughs> yeah. blankets. I took everything. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. I had yeah. to prove there was nobody who's going to believe the story. <laughs> I was, <laughs> yeah. like, gathering up everything. I, the menu I grabbed up, I grabbed everything like this. And it's so much better. It's to have a reclining seat, to have a, uh, the the TV in front of you, and well, it's all the difference in the world. And when you and and the and and that was before I was taking. I used to, I take Ativan now when I fly just to calm myself down, but that was before that. And it was like you wake up and you're there, and it was just fantastic, and it was like amazing. And I didn't. You didn't. You've been ruined now, though. I was ruined. <laughs> yes, I was ruined. But but when I um I got back to the states, I laid everything out on the table. And I, I said, oh, I tell all my friends, please come over and take a look at this. You're not going to believe what happened to me. <laughs> they go, how did you get – it's like, what, four or $5,000? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, I think when it was empty, they had – you know, maybe they wanted – I don't know. I, I can't explain. Or they wanted to do something while we're up there. It's like, yeah, we got to give it to someone. Or we have to – we don't know if the shrimp does get spoiled or something like this. So the key so. is you never know what you get if you don't ask. you got to do that. And I learned that from <laughs> traveling that you just have to ask because the worst that someone can say is no. Right, right. And the, oh, we went to Poland. We went to Poland and – um, it was like $100 for the room. We were staying in Warsaw. And I said, you know, I'm just going to stay here for less than, like, less than seven hours. Can you do something? And they go, yeah, we got this. Okay, we'll give it to you for like 75 I said, okay. Well, if you wouldn't have said anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, we were – this in the summer, we uh, – again, we, we took this uh, – we, we flew to Poland. My kid's 18. And I said, I'm, I'm going to take him to Auschwitz. I'm going to show him the whole thing. Well, so we get to there. And I, I'm saying to myself, do I want to be – in a crowd of Jews that are like all mourning and oh, it's always the Jews. Yeah. Or do I want to have my own experience? And I said, I want my own experience. So I was at the front desk and I told, told the lady, okay, um, I want to take a, a train, a bus or something to get to Auschwitz. And she goes, well, it's six hours and they have these, you know, for $500, this, this uh, tour. No, oh, no. you're going for more so. We went from Warsaw okay, to I was Krakow. In Krak- yeah, Krakow is right Krakow. nearby. Yeah. Krakow is like an hour or so. From, yeah. Okay. So I went. So, um, we uh, we took a but we took the uh, we walked down to the train station from from Warsaw and we got on a train we you know we figured out the the money situation and they don't do uh, euro uh, it's not euros there it's there they have they still have their platos or whatever they call this yeah um, the krona no no um, I don't know what it was called yeah I can't remember um, so we uh, we figured out the train thing right so it's like a four hour trip from there to um, Krakow and it was a first class train it was really nice oh, beautiful right. We were riding with all these other people, and they have like they're like almost like a compartment in a compartment kind of thing. Have you have you been on the trains there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're like in the train, but then you're in like your own little room kind of thing. Yeah. Right? And so it was like fantastic. I was, there was this. <laughs> the train was packed. The only two seats in front of us were empty, right? And all of a sudden, I'm going. I told my kid, "This is great. We can put our feet up." All of a sudden, walking down the train, I hear Harriet. Harriet, I think this is our oh, room. Oh, here's the loud There's Americans. Two New York Jews, right? <laughs> Ninety oh, years old, backpacking through, you know, whatever, and uh, they're sitting in front of us. And I go, "Oh my god!" So I, I, I love them. So I'm sure, you know, we banter, but we're just talking. We had like a great Seinfeld's time. Seinfeld's parents, exactly what it was like. like <laughs> yeah, oh my. Right. But it was great. It was great, right? So we get to um, we get to Krakow, and um, I said, to, uh, I said to them, "Okay, uh, I want to get." two round trip tickets to Auschwitz and the lady, cause Auschwitz is actually the name of the town. Yeah. And the lady says to me, um, when, when are you returning? I said, I don't know. And she says, well, we only have one way tickets. And I said, you want to sell two one way tickets to Jews to Auschwitz? To the train on exactly. the train. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, you know, there's a, they're very like, um, Polish, you know, like Russian kind of, oh, yeah. and Hilarious. she looks at me, she goes, Yes or no? Yeah. And I go, okay. <laughs> so we get on the train. They're joyful people. And the train is Soviet era, clunk, 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 oh, yeah. like this, right? Yeah. I'm almost, you know, my ancestors are going through my head like, like this. We, we get like, oh, we're about a mile from it and the train stops. 
And then all of a sudden, these guys in black uniforms, like they're like look like stormtroopers, they come up to us and they said, "Everybody, you know, in, in Polish, we had this Polish person next to speak English. Everybody off the train, off the train!" When they're screaming, "Off the train, off the train!" And I'm like, oh, like this is like another one of the oh, like you know, maybe this is like a part of the whole thing. Yeah, it's a yeah. part of the package. They 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 round us up off the train. Basically, the train broke down. Oh. And they have all the now the town folk that are like around with like their pitchforks. They're standing and looking at us, and they're walking us past these people like we like criminals, like we done did something <laughs> wrong. And then we get onto a bus and we take off and we get to Auschwitz. When we get to Auschwitz, we just we walk basically through the town, and there is no way in the world these people didn't know something was going on because well, yeah. this town was uh, surrounded by. I mean, the 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 camp is in the middle and the town, and and you're walking through. And now it says like falafel places, like places, right. right? <laughs> But you look, this town is as old as, you know, as whatever. And you're like, how could they not have known what was going on, right? How did your uh, son react to it? And how did you react to it? I study Holocaust. I study history. I know, like, the color of Hitler's socks. And I'm saying, I know all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it was a, a different connection for me than it was for him. But we got there. Uh, they closed at, like, 7 at the time that we were there, right? And it was, like, overcast and kind of rainy. So from 5 to 7... We had the place to ourselves. Nobody around. Could you imagine wandering around Auschwitz just by your? And there's like everyone. But you have to have a guard or like a, there's no a tour guide. Guides. There's no there's... tour guides. Everything you go to, every place, every room that was somebody was killed. There's it's in Polish, English, and Hebrew. Yeah. What what's going on in this thing, right? And you just wander through, and you're like in these dark rooms or these places by yourself. It's really eerie, and you kind of feel like, wow, this is like you know. And so you you. You were able to be um, – you had your own feeling what was going on. And my kid was like kind of freaking out because I kind of like prepped him about the whole thing. And it was a – you know, it was a cr- crazy thing. And yeah, just it's actually, a bummer of a day. I mean it is. Well, it depends on how you look at it. I um, – we went to the gas chambers. We went to where they – you know, all these different places. And actually – at the 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 camp com- commander of Auschwitz, they you know they 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 captured him and they hung him there and they still have that platform and they hung him and you can go and touch it and feel it. So you're like you know it's seventy something years ago, it's still there and you're still touching it and feeling part of history kind of thing. It's a it's a, it's an amazing situation. Yeah. But again, it was all part of this whole package of like you know I'm doing this, I'm traveling with my kid, I want him to feel so that. That's one of those like sections in your life that you're, you know, it's like, I'm going to look back on that and go, I'm glad I did that kind of thing. Where is your uh, dream destination that you haven't been yet? Where would you like to go? I want to do Fiji, Tahiti. I want to do one of ah. those white sand beaches. And uh, I'm sure your wife would too. She likes, yeah, she yeah. likes that. She likes, yeah, she likes traveling too. I mean, we, we travel, most of the traveling that we do is because of her. She likes to travel a lot. So, yeah. It, it's so, you have just the one child or? More? We have two. Okay. My, uh, my girl is uh, f- uh, 15 and my boy is 18. Okay. So in a few years, they'll both be away and you can uh, do some up. more traveling. Yeah. Exactly. Did, uh, so, I mean, are you traveling now for the paintball thing? Yeah, actually they do. They send me all over the place. Um, when I was in Israel, actually, I went to a lot of the paintball fields and I signed a lot of autographs, took some pictures. It was kind of cool. Um, I think they'd be good. You know, they all have army <laughs> training. Yeah, but that's the funny thing is that it's a it's a whole different world. They a lot of people look at paintball as this like a bar mitzvah kind of like a, a bachelor party, like ooh, I'm going to shoot you kind of thing, right? It's boys playing cowboy and Indians, exactly. Really, you know. Okay, we take it to a different level. Ours is kind of like more tactical kind of thing. I do a lot of close quarter combat, it's called. I have knives. Uh, these are like hard rubber knives on my legs. And I actually come up behind people and like, shh, you know, tell them, shh, be quiet and I'm about to take you out. Where we play in Bellflower, California, it's called Hollywood Sports Park. It used to be a golf course. And it's all houses and buildings and, and ruins and that kind of thing. So it's like really amazing. Who's the typical player? Is a lot of ex-military guys? A lot of ex-military. I, yeah. do, uh, I train a lot of these guys to do close-quarter combat stuff. So a lot of them are like either going to Afghanistan or come back from Afghanistan. They still have it in their blood. Um, it's a little scary, too. It could get – I mean, they, well, some of these guys are damaged. You know what I mean? Like Paintballs travel at 200 miles an hour. Right, and some of these guys might have their like PSTD or whatever they they might go through their, yeah. like this or kind of thing, so you can actually really get hurt by a paintball. And sometimes they'll go, you know, like overshoot kind of people. But you know what? When you get there and you're like, all realize, okay, we're all friends. We're trying to help each other out. This could be, you know, okay, yeah, I tracked you down. I put the knife on your throat. 
but okay, but we're friends. Let's go, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, let's go back. I and put the knife set. on your throat, let's but we're just, pals. Yeah, exactly. So, but they, they, they see who I am, you know, they, they see that I'm not like an, uh, a monster kind of thing, that I'm actually a really nice guy and that your gun breaks down, I'll try to help you out with that kind of thing. Um, I'm also represented by, uh, sponsored by a lot of different companies, Tipman. The hat that I'm wearing is a, one of the biggest gun manufacturers for paintball, and so I'm like like a poster child. I'm actually on one of their posters. I'm a poster child for them, <laughs> and I represent them all over the place. And here's what's cool: Make a Wish just contacted me, so I'm going to be doing um, on March the eighth. A one of the, this kid, his name is Ellie. He has um, leukemia, and so they want to do a paintball thing for him in his backyard. And we um, with Extreme Pros Paintball. Um, they have a big paintball store, and we're going to give him a shopping spree, and then we're going to go to his, his backyard, and we're going to have a big paintball thing for him. So wow, I'm, that's great. I'm, I'm really – it's in my heart. I mean, I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I'm into paintball. <laughs> I'm, you know, and you're going to come out with me, right? Uh, you, know, you know, I don't know, 200 miles an hour, and you might have just scared me off it. You you're going to wear a hoodie. You're, I've got you neck get protection. A cup? You get a cup. <laughs> you're gonna, you, can, you, you can look like the Pillsbury, Pillsbury okay, Doughboy yeah. if you want. You can be like, like hobbling <laughs> around like Stay this. Stay puffed marshmallow man. Exactly. No, uh, listen. The idea is to have fun. The idea is not to hurt each other. We're not trying to do that. It's all tactical. It's How all long fun. does it last? The games last about five minutes. And then we That's sw- it? And then we switch sides. And then we go out and then we, we take some Gatorade breaks or something like that. You, is the goal to try to like capture a flag? or Capture a do... flag. Okay. Wipe yeah. out the other side. Elimination. Right. That kind of thing. I'm willing um, to try it. I'll do anything once. Okay. It's the ages are from 10 to 80. I mean, you know, it's whatever. It's just, yeah. it's just all. I'd like different. to shoot an 80-year-old guy out there. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, they'll shoot back. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing time. I play almost every weekend, and um, I have my own podcast, I, I, like I told you. Yeah, plug, I, I know you can get your plugs oh, in. I get Go my ahead. Plug in. Um, it's um, uh, uh, David Reaper Justin is my name. So it's Talking Paintball with David Reaper Justin. If you want to contact me or find out anything about me, you can go to uh, shoot you soon that's shoot the letter u and then soon.com so shoot you soon.com and that'll take you to all my links and everything that i'm doing and um if you guys want to come out and play let me know and uh i gotta admit when i got the email from shoot you soon uh, <laughs> i was a little nervous and you saw my picture yeah like, was, this guy is like a killer holding like, a, a weapon and went you know what yeah, maybe i, I don't maybe know if i'll I, pass on this guy yeah uh, i was like you know i'll come to you that's exactly. what I, <laughs> and then and then like uh when you when you gave me the uh you said okay okay well let's do this kind of thing and you were kind of like really sketchy like okay i don't know if i should give this guy my address right. yeah and you was, gave me like the corner of so and so and i go you're gonna give me a blindfold or something and like you know <laughs> take there's me a yakuza room. that's gonna meet you there exactly and, and so, the tattooed uh, yeah. japanese man i i love it <clears throat> and uh i travel you know over the place with paintball and travel and, and give people like, um, it's starting in other countries. Uh, Oh, it's all over the place. I mean, there's like, we basically started it here in like, like 1982 and it's been like, it's in, it's very big in Asia. It's very big in Europe and they have, uh, their, their tournaments. Again, there's different sections in paintball. There's like the speedball. That's usually what people are used to where they see like people and there's like these big, um, balloon kind of bunkers and they're shooting against each other kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the ones that, like I said, the one that we do are basically, the one that you that I just talked about, the speedball, that's about ten percent of our industry. The other eighty percent is the guys that just go play regular weekend. They play in the woods. Um, they play like uh, you know, like like what we tend to do, like magfed kind of thing. Um, and it's just a, it's a wholesome type of thing. There's they have tailgate parties. We have sleepovers. There's you know, it's it's like the salt of the earth kind of people. That's basically what gets involved with, right. with paintball. Well, I'll take that over you know hunting. Well, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But you know what? No you one's something. dying here. But you know what? This is the funny thing is that if you go back to our caveman time, we had hunters and gatherers. Some people were berry collectors and some people were hunters. Right. And you actually see that. Did you see the movie Gladiator? Yeah. Okay. There was that point where the, they were first going to do their first Gladiator, you know, their first arena. And they had all those guys lined up. And that one guy in the front who looked like an accountant and he was peeing his pants kind of thing. And he got out there and he got his, you know, his head cut off. <laughs> well, that's kind of the same thing when you go play paintball. Do you see that kind of separation? Sometimes you see people who are like, oh, my stomach hurts. I have to go to the bathroom. And then there's other people going, <sighs> I found my sport. Right. This is it. So, but that is, that is basically an animal type of instinct that we have about hunting things. Now you're hunting other people and they're hunting you, but you know, the bottom line, they're not going to kill you. You're going to be friends with them. Okay. I might need a diaper then for this. <laughs> I'll, bring, I'll, bring some, I'll bring some adult depends for you. Where's the know. comedy department? I'll do a type five and then uh, yeah, bring actually, up the rest of you guys. you know what? You, you could do that if you want to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, who's from out of town? Hunter, there's hunters, <laughs> gatherers, and comedians. And, and comedians, that's, right. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, you know what? Uh, if it, Looks like it's going to be a great day. Come out with me tomorrow. 
I, like I said, just come out. I'll give you all the equipment. You can leave. You get shot one time and you want to you know, right. run away. And, Maybe I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll check it out. Um, so give the address again. The- so uh, my web address is basically where you can get me on everything. It's uh, shoot you soon. That's S-H-O-O-T, the letter U, and then soon.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I have Twitter. Uh, got all you know. Basically, I'm connected with everything. Um, and uh, and the podcast is uh, it's uh, uh, David Reaper Justin is my name, and then it's um, Talking Paintball with David Reaper Justin. Okay. Um, so are you on iTunes and everything else? Uh, you know what? I'm getting on iTunes now. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my okay. the whole thing like that. And uh, the the podcast is only like like three weeks three weeks old. Oh, great. Um, so, and if you, if you want to come on the podcast, just, you know, come and hang I have out. to do it first though. I have to go and shoot first. Yeah. Come, you know what? Exactly. Come and try it out. And <laughs> yeah. then you can tell, you're going to talk it, as you, a newbie. No, but what's going to happen if you fall in love with it, you're not going to, you're not going to shut up. Your friends are going to say, okay, <laughs> enough of this pot, you know, this, this paint cast, uh, paint cast, paint cast. Hey, paint they, cast. hey that's I not should, bad. I should write that one down. Uh, anyway, market that so, quick. Paintcast.com. Paintcast. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's. That's me. Well, I appreciate you coming out, man. That was really nice of I you. I appreciate you uh, uh, being adventurous and accepting me. And not no, yeah. Like, God, this guy was going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't send the, uh, the photo with you and a gun first off. Maybe right. that, that's a little, uh, that's right, a little right. scary. Yeah, but, what are you uh, going to do? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I appreciate it, man. Thank you for contacting me. Thank you very much for and, having me. And uh, I look forward to shooting you tomorrow. Okay, cool. All right, I'll shoot you soon. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.